total announcements. Our uh, next follow-up is uh, November 5th. And, uh, uh, and also, uh, we've been invited to the uh, Reformation Day party on the 29th in, uh, by the uh, church in Albion, Thurman Reform. And so I'll get everyone details on the address and time. It's anytime you know, after church, uh, we're open to join in and uh, send an invitation to our, our whole church to join in for that Reformation Day party. That, that's October 29th in the month. Uh, and today we'll be in our catechism and Christian uh, uh, formation after the service. So right after the service, for like 15 minutes, um, anyone who's uh, have their kids stay here. I'll take them through a couple catechism questions and we'll practice the song and uh, little things like that. And then uh, Jenna uh, and anybody that would like to give her a hand, uh, she's going to bring the kids downstairs to do some activities down there. Bill, 
in his garage, it's in the back there, and he found the church Bible before the fire. So during the fire, he was able to come in and retrieve the Bible that the church has had since 1871. Uh, so it's in the back there, we're uh, trying to figure out what's a, a good way to um, keep it in use in some ways uh, for the same church. So uh, it's a beautiful, large, found uh, Bible. Uh, thank you, Bill, for finding that and preserving it. Yes. And it was donated by the Cook family and the Berry family. Uh, All right, we'll prepare our hearts for worship. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let us rise and worship the Lord. Blessed be God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of your hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. May we see it. we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Beloved, let us confess our sins to our Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things not to have done, and there is no help in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those who confess, confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter to the godly, the righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in His great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to Him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As a minister of the Triune God, I declare to you that your sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Believe that and have peace with God. As many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. O God, for as much as without thee we are not able to please thee, Mercifully grant that thy Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's stand and sing Psalm 121. And for the first stanza, 
Um, I'll sing a line and you'll sing it back to me. And then we'll sing it all together, starting with, He will not let your foot be moved. I lift my eyes to the hills. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth? Who made heaven and earth? He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forever. Amen. You may be seated. Blessed Lord, you've caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our epistle reading for the 19th Sunday after Trinity is Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to the end of the chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. Therefore I say this, and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, and because of the hardness of their hearts. They become callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But this is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands, so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. The Word of the Lord. 
Let's stand and sing hymn number 381 in your red hymnal. Hymn number 381, Brethren, we've met to worship. Hymn number 381. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. 
Your sins are forgiven. At this time, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man blasphemes. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go to your house. The man got up and departed to his house. But when the crowd saw this, they were astonished and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's stand and confess what the Scriptures have taught us to believe in the Apostles' Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into Sheol. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Continuing through Genesis, in Genesis chapter 17, this is following the birth of Ishmael to Hagar, Genesis 17, hear the word of the Lord. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him, saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. As for me, here is my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout the generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan, as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. God also said to Abraham, As for you, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations, are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you, which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations, every male among you is to be circumcised at eight days old. Every male born in your household or purchased from any foreigner and not your offspring. Whether born in your, house, in your household or purchased, he must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as a permanent covenant. If any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her. Indeed, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will produce nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down, and then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a ninety-year-old woman, give birth? 
So Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael were acceptable to you. But God said, No, your wife Sarah will, will, be your, will bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. We will father 12, he will father 12 tribal leaders, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will confirm my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at the, this time next year. When he finished talking with him, God withdrew from Abraham. So Abraham took his son Ishmael and those born in his household or purchased every male among the members of Abraham's household. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskin on that very day, just as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when the flesh of his foreskin was circumcised. And his son Ishmael was 13 years old when the flesh of his skin was circumcised. On the, next, on the same day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his household, whether born in his household or purchased from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Throughout Scripture, we're given these images of the potency of blood. Whether it's the covering that Adam and Eve require after they've sinned to be covered by goats that have been slaughtered, or Abel's testimony that his blood is what cries out to the Lord as a witness against Cain. Or the confirming of Noah's covenant after the flood. That this is confirmed through bloodshed on an altar. Throughout the scriptures, especially in Genesis, we're seeing the potency of blood to confirm, to seal the blessings of God, to confirm his promises to his people. The blood is used. Because life is in the blood. We're told this later in Leviticus, that they're not to drink the blood because that's where the life resides. It'd be like stealing the life of an animal. The, li- the blood, in a sense, is the bond between body and soul. That your body is animated by the spirit as long as blood flows through it. And God's covenant blessings, then, are personally sealed and applied with this shedding of blood. As we see in Abraham, and this circumcision becomes typological for how God seals his promises on his people throughout the ages. In verses 1 through 8, we see that Abraham has come to a kind of perfection of time. Now, not moral perfection, that he's just, he's just sinned with Hagar, but a perfection in terms of fullness, completion, that he's endured a series of trials, a series of humiliating circumstances, and he's endured them faithfully. He's continued to lean on God's word in the midst of them, whether it's leaving his father's house from Ur, going into Egypt, and having to duel with the serpent of Pharaoh, Having to come back out of Egypt, separate from Lot, take the worst of the two lands, retrieve Lot from the Canaanites, and push the men of Chedorlaomer out of the land. All of these different trials have crafted in Abraham a dependence on the Lord. Right? So even though he's old, his faith is infantile in a sense. His faith is fully dependent. He's grown in humility and trust in the Lord because through the years... He's had to endure great suffering and trial. And so he has been perfected, in a sense, by his sufferings. His sufferings have made him prepared for the fullness of the promises God has made to be given to him now. He's been given these indications of covenant ever since he's left his father's house. Leave your father's house. I'm going to show you a land. You know, go down into, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give this, this land that you see now as a possession to your offspring. I'm going to make you a great nation. He's heard these promises multiple times. And finally, 
These promises are being sealed unto him. These blessings are going to be shown to him in a more concrete way. And what this demonstrates to us is that this everlasting covenant that was going to stretch throughout time, through a whole nation and bless multiple nations, is manifested in a particular. That what the Lord does is he takes a particular man, a particular time, a particular moment, and creates universal implications for it. That through Abraham, you get Isaac. And then what we're told about Isaac is he'll have the head of 12 tribes. A great nation will come from him. So through Isaac, the whole nation of Israel will be the ones that bear these promises, that bear the land, that bear the mediation of the law, that carry the word of God, that carry the faith of the Lord. And this whole nation of Israel, those promises that it's carrying will be satisfied in a singular man again in the coming of Jesus Christ, in the incarnation of the Son of God. And then through the particularizing of the promises of God in the blood of Jesus, you have the universal promises made to his church that now inherit the earth and not just a land and now have perfect union and glory with God the Father. So the particular ends up carrying blessings and weight and benefits for the corporate. The singular man blesses a nation. The singular God-man blesses the world. What this should demonstrate to us is that just as Abraham's trust and faithfulness to the Lord ends up manifesting blessings that echo through time even to today, our, this, this vindicates the promises of God as trustworthy. And that whenever we sin or fall into the old flesh, those are fundamentally acts of unbelief. Unbelief that God is good. Unbelief that God's word is true and trustworthy. And so we need to carry his word as Abraham carries it to a kind of completion, that his word will be given to us to complete us. This is what Timothy tells us, that the word of God is sufficient to build the man of God up into fullness, into a kind of, a kind of perfection. Not a perfection in the sense that we will never sin on this side of the resurrection, but a wholeness, that you'll be, you'll be made into a whole human being by trusting the promises of God. And his name will then be glorified by our glad obedience and trust in him. Verses 9 through 14. God also said to Abraham, As for you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations, are to, be, are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations, every male among you is to be circumcised at eight days old. Every male born in your household or purchased from any foreigner and not your offspring, whether born in your household or purchased, he must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as a permanent covenant. If any male is not circumcised in the flesh or of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. A valid question is why, why is circumcision the sign of these things? Of anything that could be done. We've already had multiple blood rites performed. We had animals cut in half and the fire pot walked through them. He's, Abraham's put up altars throughout the land. Why can't those work? Why doesn't God have him build just another altar or offer another animal? Why circumcise the foreskin of his flesh? A lot of this is tied up in generation. How, how God produces human beings. And who is given responsibility for the human race. Right? We're told in Romans that through one man, 
death spread to all, all creation, through the one man, Adam. So to have a new kind of birth, you have to have a new organ for that birth. That you have to have blood shed according to that organ that makes offspring. So to have new men, to have a new nation, to have a new race, a new tribe, you have to have new flesh. And so to cut off the old and let the new arise out of it. In another sense, it's, a, it's a, again a demonstration of trust in the Lord to be the one that provides the seed. That he'll work through Abraham, but it is God who is giving life in the womb of Sarah. That at 100 years old and 90 years old, a child can be born not because of circumcision, but because of the promises God is making through it. Right? If Abraham hadn't, hadn't performed circumcision, the promises would have been null and void. He would have broken the covenant with God. Right? So the circumcision is required, but it is the Lord working through the right that makes it effective, that gives you a new nation, a new son Isaac, that can create a nation in which God's promises dwell. The Ark of the Covenant can be held. God's presence can exist there. In, in a similar way, you see this happening in Isaiah, that um, Israel is always dependent on a remnant, on a tithe, on a, on a percentage being diminished, taken away. Because in Isaiah, we're, we're told that from the stump of Jesse, a new everlasting tree will emerge. That the tree of Israel has been reduced back down to a stump, a kind of circumcising of the nation down to a remnant, so that new life can come out of it. Just like any arborist or gardener knows, you have to trim out old, overcrowded, choking weeds in order for fresh life to grow. So a similar thing is happening here. Especially considering that Abraham has just, just used relations to have a son outside of the promise. Right? The, the relationship between Hagar and Abraham can't be separated from the, the act of circumcision. That he's, he's used his, his organ of generation outside of God's promised means to bring him a son. And so he has to circumcise that member now so that the new son, the promised son, the son from above, in a sense, can be given. Another question that would naturally emerge here is uh, there's a lot of everlasting covenant talk here. This is a permanent covenant between me and you and all your people after you. And this, this is, becomes a major controversy in the New Testament. Uh, aren't we then supposed to, are we required, are we obligated to continue circumcising our sons? Don't you have to be circumcised and then baptized, become a Jew and then a Christian? Why this is, uh, this is a major, this is like the entire book of Galatians is dealing with this question. Why is circumcision no longer obligated? If it's eternal, right? Part of this has to do with the difference between the natural and the supernatural, the seed and the tree. Because what happens in baptism is not of a different substance from what's happening in circumcision. It's a greater magnitude. So now instead of just the males of, a, of the covenant people receiving the sign, everybody gets the seal of the covenant of God. Gets the seal of his name put on them in baptism. That now instead of just a part of you being circumcised, the whole human being has to be circumcised. And part of the circumcision right is to demonstrate that one day a son's going to be ushered through this line, a promised son. And so to go back and say, and we need to keep circumcising for the sake of God's promises, is to reject the arrival of Jesus Christ in the incarnation. It's to say that we're still waiting for a son to be born through God's people. He's already been born. You already have Jesus. He is the finality of the circumcision. And so anyone that's united to Christ then receives the same benefits. They are enacting the circumcision now made without hands, as we're told in Colossians. 
So, this, so since baptism unites us to Christ, the participation in this eternal covenant made by, with Abraham is being upheld. And you're not going to be cut off from the, the, the uh, covenant as is warned here in verse 14. If any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. We're not breaking covenant if we don't circumcise our sons anymore because the Son of God has been circumcised not just in his organ on the eighth day, but in his totality on the, in the crucifixion. His whole flesh is circumcised for the life of the world. Now, anybody that's united to his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, as we're told in Romans, participates in that new life, participates in the old man being put down and the new man rising again. And this is why the demands in the new covenant are actually greater. It's, it's, it's a higher demand for you. Right? There's still circumcision language. If your right hand causes you to offend, cut it off. It's better to enter the kingdom one-handed than not enter at all. That you're still being exhorted that you need to remove the old man. The circumcision is still happening. It's something that has to actively be mortified. Right? The hardness of your heart needs to be open so you can have a heart of flesh in which rivers of living water can flow. Right? The hardness of the flesh will dam up the blessings of God. And this is why we need to continually follow the Lord. This is why we're, his, he tells his disciples to take up your cross and follow me. That is the act of circumcision in the new covenant. To take up your cross and follow Christ into suffering unto glory. Verses 15 through 21. God said to Abraham, as for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her indeed. I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations. Kings of people will come from her. And Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a, 99-year-old, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael were acceptable to you. But God said, No, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as a permanent covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders and I will make him into a great nation. But I will confirm my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. When he finished talking with him, God withdrew from Abraham. So there's two ways you can take the laughter of Abraham here. One is, is it is a sense of um, wonder, of marveling, of almost unbelief at this promise. Can a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman, can 200 years of human being make a baby? This is a remarkable thing to have told you. It also demonstrates this deep comedy of Scripture. Right? Com- comedy not in the sense of sitcom, but comedy in that you start the story with this amount, you go through a bunch of stuff, and you end the story here. That you end with more than you began with. And this is what's happening to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham leaves his father, his household, his, this, this great city of Ur. He leaves all of this behind. So he starts here. And it seems like he's just going to, you know, maybe break even at the end of this. He picks up some tribes, but he has no city of his own. He has no kingdom of his own. But what ends up happening along the way, he receives blessings from God's priest king, Melchizedek. He receives not just once, I mean, Ishmael, but God redeems even the fleshly birth of Ishmael. And now he's being promised, you won't just have a son, you'll have a son that gives birth to 12 tribes. And you won't just have 12 tribes, but through these 12 tribes, you'll have kings in your name. 
And his name is literally being made great. Abraham means great father, father of many, father of multitudes. And so his name itself is a kind of demonstration of how he starts here, goes through a bunch of stuff, and he ends as great father. He ends as a father of kings. He, I mean, even in Sunday school, you learn Father Abraham had many sons, right? His name is still great, even in pedantic, like silly, childish songs. This is the, the deep comedy of, of, of Holy Scripture, that we start here, we start dying in a garden, blaspheming the gifts God gives us, and we end in a garden city in the resurrection, living face to face with our maker. That's, that's God's comedic impulse. Right? And this is demonstrated through Isaac's name being given to him. Yitzhak means... Laughter. That's what his name means. His name is, it's, he's a joyful occasion. This is amazing that, that Abraham and Sarah, for all intents and purposes, have dead reproductive organs and they get a child out of it. This is amazing. This is, in a way, worthy of glorious laughter. What's uh, also interesting of note here is that his the faith of Abraham, right, his, his dependence on the word of God, does precede his circumcision. That he has all of these events that he has to go through and hear God's word and then receive circumcision at the end. And what's frequently pointed out is Abraham's pattern demonstrates that he is not just a father to the Jews but to the Gentiles. That the Jews get the promises first, they get circumcision first, and they grow up in the faith. But it's the Gentiles that look in and it's the Gentile proselytes that come in, like we're told earlier in the chapter. Whether they're born in your house or purchased, they must be circumcised. That the genetic lineage is not the thing that determines your belonging to God. It is, do you hear his word and come to him? Do you enter his house through his gate? Right? The gate used to be baptism. Now the gate is, the, sorry, let me see what I say. The gate used to be circumcision. The gate now is, the, is baptism. This is how you enter his gate. And both of them must be paired with faith grabbing hold of those gifts given. These objective promises given are held onto by faith. Abrahamic faith. This is why in Hebrews, Abraham's listed primarily in the hall of faith as this man who, who heard the promises of God and walked forward towards a city that he could not see yet. The heavenly city. He walked towards a city that was not yet manifested. That's faith. That's hope in the things that have not yet been seen, but are promised. Not just vague hope, but hope and something that will be given, that is coming, that, the, that heaven is invading earth. And this is precisely what Abraham's moving forward in. This is precisely what circumcision is sealing to Abraham and his household, that everybody now that is under his governance gets to participate in his blessings. Everybody that's under the umbrella of Father Abraham gets some of his gifts so this continues on that even now, whether it's covenant children or converts to the faith, right, Abraham is in a sense father to both of them, whether they are raised in the, in the household of Christendom or whether they enter in through adoption. Right? Every, everybody belongs and gets the same kind of nearness to God the Father. Whether they're slave or free, Jew or Gentile, male or female, everybody's drawn near to the throne room. There's no more, there's no more dwelling in the outer courts. You have direct access to the high priest now. And this ought to give us a great trust in the mercy of God. That even, even when it feels like we're at the end of our rope, even when it seems like he's 
he's been, he's been gracious to us and he's been patient with us, but it seems like this thing's never going to end, whether it's illness or poverty or loneliness, depression, where the, the thing that we're hoping to be delivered from just doesn't seem to be arriving. There is the ultimate hope. This isn't always helpful for some people, right? But the ultimate hope, if we can set our sights on the things to be hoped in, that all the pain, the agony, the tears will be wiped away in the resurrection. This is what's being sealed in circumcision and will be later um, more clearly demonstrated in the offering of Isaac. That old flesh gives way to new life. That when, you're, when you trust the Lord with your own blood, when you trust the Lord with your life, when you bind yourself to the blood of Christ, when you receive those blessings from Jesus, you are being prepared for immortality. You're being prepared for everlasting life before his face. And so while we might have ailments that dog us until the day we die, we can die hopeful and grateful that we have a great physician that is longing to heal us. And, it might, and his timeline might, might look much different from ours. Abraham would have loved to have a son at 30 years old, 40 years old. He has to wait till he's 100 years old. His wife has to wait till she's 90 years old and watch her slave have a son with her husband first. But she's vindicated eventually. And so sometimes that vindication happens here on this side, and sometimes it has to wait for resurrection. Or sometimes it looks different than we would have expected. But God is worthy of trust, and he's, he will vindicate his people, and he will make good on his promises. Verses 22 to 20, 27. So Abraham took his son Ishmael, and those born in his household were purchased, every male among the members of Abraham's household. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskin on that very day, just as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when the flesh of his foreskin was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13 years old when the flesh of his foreskin was circumcised. On that same day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his household, whether born in his household or purchased from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. And so just as one man's disobedience leads to death, spreading to all men, so now one man's obedience, particularly Abraham's, is able to equip life for the world. The old Adam is being circumcised off in Abraham. It's telling that he's 99 years old when he's circumcised. So his 100th year is, in a sense, his first year. This is why we could say that all baptisms are infant baptisms. Everybody's getting a new birth. You're getting a new start. You're being put into the regeneration, the new generation of God, God's life. So Abraham, in a way, is a very young man when he has Isaac. In a way, he's a, he's a baby and Isaac's a baby. Because he's, the, his old flesh is being removed so that the new can emerge. And it's not just Abraham, but his whole household that receives these blessings. And again, we've reiterated this before, but that... The blessings flow. God works through households. God works through society. He works through people, through groups. And so this is why the the whole household is circumcised. Because this is a promise for everyone. That that anyone that blesses Abraham is blessed. Anyone that curses him is, is cursed. So there's this mediatorial relationship that the blessings from God's people will flow and change nations. They'll change societies and change families. That uh, in Corinthians, we're told that the off, even if a husband is, one of the spouses is, a, is not a Christian and the other spouse is, the children are still counted as holy. In the old covenant, it was uncleanness that spread. 
So if you had one spouse that was unclean, they would have to be cast out. This is why in Ezra, when the Israelites marry Canaanite women, they have to be kept outside the camp. They have to cut their hair and be purified, cleansed, because they are unclean. They're not of God's people. But in the New Covenant, what can actually happen is cleanness becomes contagious. And so life now spreads to all men through the final obedience of Jesus Christ, that life can flow out and not be squelched by death, that the prince of this world is now the Lord himself, that all authority on heaven and earth has now been given to him. And so our, whole, our families can be changed. Our marriages can be different. Our children can be different kinds of human beings because of circumcision, because of the new man, because of new creation. And that this yoke of faith is actually lighter than the burden of flesh, the prison of flesh. When you actually lose some of yourself, you actually gain more glory in Christ. Right? As we mentioned earlier, to cut off the arm to save your life. That this daily mortification of cutting off the flesh in order to live as a free man. Right? We're born slaves. We're born slaves to sin. And we need to be adopted into a new family to actually walk in freedom. And your, our wanters and desires are the thing that have to be changed to actually embrace freedom. The person that does whatever their flesh wants is not a free person. They're a slave. It's only when your fleshly desires can be mortified and replaced with the desires of Christ that you are free. Right? This is what Augustine says. Love God and do what you will. Not do what you will and then love God. Love God and that will change your will so that you are then free to do as you will. Because when the love of God is put first, when God is honored first, and you love him with all your mind, soul, body, and strength, you are actually liberated from the flesh to do as you will, and your will is transformed. Because God seals his covenant promises through personally shedding blood. And this blood is like a, it's like a blood transfusion. You're, through Christ shedding his blood, you're given new life. Right? Just as the, there's a prohibition on drinking blood because that's where the life lived in the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, you can't live if you don't drink blood. Now you have to. John 6, right? If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Now what was once prohibited because it was too potent is now required because we need a new body. We need a new soul. We need a new life. We need a new source of life, a new fountain, a new father. And all that flows to us from the God-man, Jesus Christ. Through the particular, we are all blessed as a new holy nation. And we, through this, we get new habits. Right? This is why gleeful participation in things like the Sunday liturgy are what actually change our will. They change our vocabulary. They change our cravings. We, now, we begin to hunger and thirst for the body and blood over our breakfast, no matter how cheesy the omelet is. All of a sudden... Through new habits and new life and new participation, you can desire the things above more than the things below. Not that the things on earth are wicked and broken. You're supposed to have a good omelet and toast and coffee. Those are good things, but they have to be put in proper ordering, right? This is uh, C.S. Lewis's point that it's not that um, our desires are too strong. It's that our desires are too weak. We're happy with too little. We're content with very little things. We're content with trinkets. God watches us and provides for us and gives us his own son, eternal life, immortal medicine. And we think, I don't know. I mean, ice cream's pretty good, right? We, we take the thing that would be 
beautiful and eternal and everlasting, and we frequently want to trade it in for something that's fleeting and will, will leave us hungry moments later. But rather, we want, to be, we want to walk in the circumcision, walk in the newness of life, walk in the new flesh of Christ, Right? You've been united with Christ, for as many, we're just saying this, as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and you want to exercise that new body as much as possible. You want to enjoy the great benefits that God's given you, whether it's through obeying His Word, whether it's through uh, delighting in prayer, being able to access the Father through the Son, by the power of the Spirit. Whatever those gifts are, to walk in them, to delight in them, to be generous with them and to rejoice in them. We've been given a new father. We've been given new life so that he can bring many new sons to glory. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted head above all. All things come from you, O Lord. Bill will come around to collect our tithes and offerings, and we'll sing the Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world Our God is a God who hears and answers prayer. Let us bring our petitions and thanksgiving to him in Christ's name for the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, for the unity of all people, especially the church in Maine. Holy Father, we pray that you would heal the schisms in your church. And that through the unity of your body in Maine, many people would know that your son is the true revelation of God. Lord, in your mercy. For our president, our governor, for the leaders of the state of Maine, the nation, and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, for the good earth which God has given us, for the wisdom and will to conserve it, for food and shelter, let us pray to the Lord.
Amen. Lord, in your mercy. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, for the sick and the suffering, for those who are lonely, for those in bondage to addiction, for all who are confused and lost, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, for the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, especially for persecuted Christians living in fear or threat of danger, for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It is right our duty, and our joy always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourselves. And when we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all, that by his suffering and death we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory, that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And we offer you these gifts, 
Sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him, that he may dwell with us and we in him. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom, where we shall see our God face to face. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. Let us pray. We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose character is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. A couple reminders. The outside ring of the tray is juice. And the inside rings are wine. So the outside, the very outside perimeter is juice and the inside is wine. Um, and uh, I have oil uh, this Sunday, so if anyone needs prayer for a healing, let me know and I'll come and uh, anoint you with oil and pray for you. Um, also, uh, with the bread, uh, if there's any left over, Tyler will just continue bringing it around until um, it's all been eaten as a proper use of the sacrament is to eat it. Um, <clears throat> the bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you, Preserve your body and soul unto everlasting life. Take and eat.
cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Let's stand and sing number 307, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Number 307 in your Trinity hymnal, 307. Why? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other founts I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now by this I'll overcome, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now by this I'll reach my home, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Therefore, go into the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and lift His countenance up to you and give you His peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Just a reminder, uh, the kids will stay in here for a few minutes to do some catechism. And then I'll see the rest of you in the fellowship hall for James. Thank you.